In the era of body cameras, this has become something of a ritual. A suspect flees the scene of the crime, police give chase. It's the rear passenger that we want on the driver's side. Suspect is caught, and then things happen. And it's up to many people, I guess, to interpret what's going on while looking at the video. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Peter Rowe, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Today we have Lindsay Winkley, a public safety reporter who's reported on one of these cases. And it's, it's rather interesting because we've seen two bits of video which seem to tell at least two different stories, depending on who you ask. Lindsay, why don't you tell us what happened here the other day? Yeah, so I, I think it's important to just kind of give, I'm going to give the whole picture of how this went down. So essentially, this incident involved a 20-year-old man. Um, his name is Trinell Cannon. Trinell Cannon was under surveillance by police in Chula Vista, and police were looking to arrest him on a couple of existing warrants, one for robbery, one for uh, possessing, a, possessing a firearm. And when they went to uh, put him into handcuffs, he ran. And chase ensued. They lost him. They found a weapon that they think belongs to him. It was a loaded handgun. They spot him later. He's getting into a vehicle. They all pile onto Interstate 5. Table on the exit ramp to uh, E Street, black and white's behind him. Multiple black and whites in there lighting him up. We'll see where he does. They pull the car over, and what happens next was caught by a couple of different video sources. So the first video that we see is the video that's taken by Trinell's girlfriend inside the car. And essentially what you see is a dog pile of officers on apparently somebody on the ground, and two officers are just throwing punches. Why are you beating him up? That's really striking when you look at the video because you see these fists coming up and down, up and down. And you're also hearing Trinell Cannon's girlfriend screaming, you know, you're beating him up. Yeah. And it was clearly it was clearly very uh, traumatic for all of the people involved. Uh, And so this was put on social media and essentially immediately provoked controversy. Members of the community were demanding answers. They were alleging that this was an inappropriate use of force. And so the department did something really unprecedented. So anybody who follows the San Diego Police Department closely knows that their previous stance on body-worn camera footage has been to not release it. They'll release it in connection with officer-involved shootings, but that's after a long investigatory process. Um, This, so when the department responded on Wednesday with their own press conference and chose to release their own video, I think people were a little stunned. And so what we saw was two different perspectives. So we got body-worn camera footage and we got aerial view from a police helicopter that was over the the location at the time. Okay, well, they're fighting with them on the ground. Uh, Multiple units 97 for cover. They yanked your S1 out and they're fighting with them. The rest of them at gunpoint. The context of all of those videos does provide, I think, a better understanding of kind of what happened. But there are still concerns that how these officers chose to 
take Trinell into custody was excessive. And so I think that that's going to be something that we'll be talking about for, for a while. I think when you look at the different videos, you can spin kind of different narratives. And in one narrative, the police are, are chasing after this guy and they're, you know, they're, they're just doing their jobs, right? And it, it's unclear when you look at the various video sources, when the police officer approaches the stopped car and the door opens, it's unclear whether Trinell Cannon is leaping out and trying to tackle the officer who's coming to the door, or whether the officer, in fact, is reaching in and pulling Cannon out. And you've heard both of these stories being told, uh, you know, publicly here. Yeah, I think that that was something that was um, pretty stunning to me covering this story. The Words that are being used to describe these incidents, depending on who you ask, are very different. You know, Trinell is talked about by community leaders as being a boy with a good spirit. You know, his mother referred to him as a child who should not have to under, you know, experience this kind of brutality. You know, his girlfriend obviously is talking about her own trauma. And then with the police, you hear you know, this, he was a, a dangerous, violent criminal and, uh, you know, just starkly, starkly different. And yes, that particular part of the video, I think, was something that I wanted to make sure that I approached with caution. I watched that section of video in slow motion, and it's very difficult to tell, you know, if Trinell is leaping at the officer, lunging towards the officer and knocking them both to the ground, or if the momentum from being grabbed out of the car by his shirt causes both of them to fall on the ground, or even if he's kind of thrown on the ground towards the end. And so, and, and I do think that that's part of the reason why community members were a little stunned that the police chief came out and spoke so definitively about what had happened. Yeah, let's talk about that because, I mean, there is an investigation going on, and yet the police chief said, you know, that this was, that the the video shows that this was an appropriate use of force. And, you know, Bishop Cornelius Bowser, among others, said, well, how can we trust the, you know, the impartial you know, whether whether or not there will be a fair investigation when, one, the department is investigating itself, and two, the head of the department has already pronounced this uh, as a fair, fair use of force. Right. I think that that was, I think that was something that struck me as well. The chief was adamant that internal affairs officers were immediately called to the scene to launch an investigation to to make sure that the officers involved were following the policies and protocols that govern use of force and assured us at this press conference that that was going to be a thorough investigation. But, you know, in the same breath was saying that part of the reason why he chose to release this video was because he was confident. He was confident that if the community saw it, that they would understand that these officers used the amount of force that was needed to get Trinell in custody. And I think that that was a hard series of sentences for the community to hear and then also still feel confidence that the police department was going to look at this with a fresh, unbiased set of eyes, which is why I think you saw 
um, different individuals asking for the Community Review Board, which is a body of citizens that investigate allegations of police misconduct, that they really take a look at this to see what they see. Although that board has its own um, there are some concerns about that board as well. So, Well, also, this, this does not happen in a vacuum. Uh, we've had, of course, nationally uh, a long conversation going on about how different communities, especially African-American communities, are policed or over-policed. And how, how is that playing out here in San Diego? Bishop Cornelius Bowser really um, spoke to that yesterday when he was speaking in front of headquarters I think for many people, this this is not a single incident that they're experiencing. This is one of many incidents that they feel show that the police department does not have respect for black and brown communities in San Diego and that they are much more willing to exert force in a way that's inappropriate, that, that you know, this concept of Procedural justice is really gaining steam in the United States. Communities really want to feel like they are on, you know, that everybody's on the same playing field, that they're all able to be guaranteed that they are going to be treated with civility and respect by the officers that they pay for. These are their community officers. And I feel like many people feel like that is not the case And when we see these kinds of instances, we have to remember that this is adding on to a pile of incidents um, that people are already struggling with, that they're already grappling with. And I suppose the police would say at the same time, you have to take into account the sort of job that they're doing that's very dangerous. The fact that this particular person had a record that involved uh, firearms, that a firearm was found, you know, while they were chasing after him. Boy, all kinds of things to weigh. And then you've got these various videos which tell several different stories. I mean, it's a real Rashomon kind of case, right? Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, and just to, I mean, obviously every officer wants to go home at night. You know, every officer wants to, you know, be safe on the job. They want to do their job and they want to go home to their families. Um, And I think, you know, everybody understands that. And it is a tough job. You know, there is there are a lot of split second decisions that you have to make. Um, I mean, that's part of the part of the the burden of the badge. Um, And this situation, there was a lot in this situation. You know, police had come in contact. This is not their first contact with Chanel. They had come in contact with him in 2017 and late 2018. That's recent. He was armed, you know, and so that can be, you know, obviously officers are going to be concerned about that. But yeah, this this notion of releasing body-worn camera footage so that we're going to clear up, clear up the, the situation so we're all going to better understand it. I just don't I don't necessarily know if we should be looking at it that way. I think that I think we have to acknowledge that body worn camera, A, it's not the best video quality. But I think what we need to maybe maybe see this as an opportunity for communication and for um for dialogue, because that's what it's going to end up being. You are going to have certain communities of people who police communities, you know, activist communities who are are going to be taking their own lens, their own cultural lens and looking at that video. And and they're going to it's going to be a propensity to see grainy footage one way or another way. And so I think we all need to acknowledge that if we're not using this as an opportunity to dialogue together, then it's probably a wasted opportunity. Well, it's a fascinating story, and I'm, I'm grateful to you for bringing it to us. And thank you so much, Lindsay Winkley. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
In other news, federal prosecutors in San Diego have charged John T. Ernest, the 19-year-old man accused in last month's Poway Synagogue shooting, with 109 hate crime violations. This could lead to the death penalty. One person was killed, and three others were injured in the attack. The move comes just a week after the San Diego District Attorney's Office filed murder, attempted murder, and arson charges against Ernest. Dual prosecutions in state and federal court of the same person for the same crime are unusual, but not unheard of. They are allowed under the dual sovereign legal concept. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. On weekday mornings, you can also call up our local headlines on your smart speaker. Just say, launch the San Diego Union Tribune for a quick briefing on weather and our top stories. You can support our journalism by signing up for any or all of our print and digital products at sandiegouniontribune.com slash subscribe. Until next time.